this is going to be a large episode. Yeah. We're, we're packing this one pretty thick, I think. Yeah. So we got, well, while we're recording, we got two things going. Um, for the weekly catch-up, I guess we're just going to dive into uh, episode five of The Boys, mm-hmm. season two. Mm-hmm. Um, not as eventful as episode four, so I don't know how much we could talk about there. Um, mm-hmm. The plot does thicken, though. Um, and then for part two, which I hope you listen to as well if you're listening to this, is we're doing our sci-fi smackdown number three for the blade runner movies uh yeah and this has been your first time watching the blade runner movies hasn't it yes both of them has yeah that's gonna be cool that's gonna be a cool one so yeah hope everybody uh stays tuned for these next two episodes and just real quick cheney before we um get into the weekly catch-up i want to ask you a question okay um i think it's a pretty important question that um you know, I, th- I think about this kind of often. I, I posed this question on our Instagram page also this weekend. Uh, and I was really kind of excited, I guess, to see um, a lot of our followers took part in, um, in in just that kind of poll that we ran on Instagram. So thank you to our listeners who are like interacting and, uh, and like getting through to us on Instagram. We appreciate that. And yeah, we're definitely going to keep that up. But anyway, so the question I have is, um, an important question, a, a generation-defining question, I would say, without hyping it up too much. But Cheney, what is or who is your favorite Batman? Out of anything? No, no, no. You gotta. You can go. Okay, I guess let me specify it down. In the live-action movies, ah. right? In the live-action movies that have come out since, I guess Adam West being the first Batman till 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 what we've seen of Robert Pattinson, right? Who is your Batman? Who is the Batman that you grew up with that was like, if this is on, no matter what, I'm going to watch it, okay? Um, Yeah, so this weekend was uh, Batman Day, I guess, sometime this weekend. So, um, yeah, that's why I'm posing the question and got some pretty interesting responses, but I want to hear what you got. Well, if we're going off the mainline movies... Obviously, I'm going to have to say Christian Bale um, because those were the Batman movies I grew up with. And The Dark Knight is my top three favorite movie of all time. Um, not sure what else is up there. I could really think about that for a while, but I know that's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Christian Bale for live action. But in terms of the Batman that I actually grew up with, it'd be um, the animated series one. Mm. from both Batman the Animated Series and the Justice League cartoon. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about the Bat- Justice League costume also, or the, the cartoon also. That I still remember the like the art design of that being so kind of like catching our time. Like everybody kind of remembers those cartoons. Yeah, and Batman in that is probably the purest Batman mm-hmm. in terms of like actual content goes. Like maybe the Batman in the comics, but I don't really read comics. And... The Justice League cartoon is pretty faithful to comic lines and and characters in the comic book, and I'd say like that's my favorite Batman of all time is is that Batman specifically? Who voiced that, that, that Batman? Was that a uh, Kevin Conroy? Kevin, yeah, Kevin Conroy. Gotcha. And that and that sort of like so Kevin Conroy is my favorite Batman. Yeah, okay, and, good answer, and, yeah. And, and anything that he does in in terms of Batman is the best. I'd say. Um, whether that be the the animated series or 
um, the Justice League series or even like I've never even played the Arkham games, but I'll watch all the cutscenes just to see Kevin Conroy do Batman things. Yeah. So um, I think there's no like when you think Batman, his voice always pops up no matter who you are. There's like always a Batman that sticks with you that's attached to his voice or his characterization of him. And he's always kind of being brought back like he he voiced uh, Batman like originally years ago. It's been a long time, but they're still integrating his character since the 90s. Right. Yeah. And the new guy, I don't know who the new guy is, but the new guy who's doing like, you know, how there's all those new Justice League cartoons popping up um, the movies like, um, I don't know, Justice League Doom and Justice League versus Teen Titans. The guy who does the Batman voice for that is doing really well as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah. no disrespect to him though like kevin conroy is batman so yeah I, i've heard that back to follow i've heard that sentiment a lot for a lot of people kevin conroy is the batman and i wouldn't disagree with that his voice there's something about his voice that is like for me at least just when i think of batman his voice is the voice i think um nobody's really captured it the same way um and yeah did you know there's been like five batman since like in in all 25 years of the batman movies there have been five actors to portray batman and seven movies there's been obviously michael keaton um there's been george clooney there's well let's see if you can hit these off what the Uh, fuck's the other guy's name val kilmer yeah val kilmer and batman forever um christian bale ben affleck and now the battinson robert pattinson so actually that's yeah that'll be six then uh pattinson will be number six which is crazy but yeah i don't know i think he's gonna be the youngest live action batman that we've seen um portrayal wise uh which is cool i think it christian bale's batman was definitely uh in batman begins trying to go for the year one kind of story and and his origins and all that and uh i think this one's gonna be different but similar to that kind of on the ground level of batman's origins um but i think my favorite batman from what i've seen you know growing up and stuff it's it's such a tricky question to answer because i find myself liking each batman differently for different reasons and almost like on a different day i'll pick a different one you know like i was watching um batman returns a couple nights ago on crave with uh with michael keaton and and i like you you can't you can't picture Michael Keaton you know in the eighties being Batman. That's just it's a weird move. It's a risky move. So for the fact they even did that is crazy, and it works. You know, like on screen, it really kind of it kind of comes together in a weird way, though. Um, what do you mean by weird? Like, what's so weird about Michael Keaton being Batman? Because he's I see him like Bruce Wayne. You know, he's um I think he plays Bruce Wayne, one of the best Bruce Wayne portrayals out there. He um he has like the look of a bat like of batman like when he has the cowl on and the mask on i think there's no there's no uh argument there but there's something about the tone that i can't help but like laugh at times because there you know this that bruce wayne has like a lot of humor and he's kind of self-aware of himself um it's not he's not playing like a a really traumatic bruce wayne that we've seen in other movies so it's weird. Like, I think, like you said, we grew up in our generation with the Christian Bale Batmans, and then we get, you know, Ben Affleck and all these other kind of versions of the role. And I think the deeper they've gone with the character in, in like, as time has progressed, it's been 
it's been getting to the darker side of Batman in his mythology. You know what I mean? Um, and Michael Keaton, like, even though Tim Burton's movies were dark and kind of game-changing for that time when they came out, there's something about Michael's Keaton Batman that it makes me laugh more than think of the things that I think about when I watch, like, Christian Bale, you know? I, yeah, I guess I can get that. But um, you kind of need that transition period. Because it's such an 80s from, movie. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. It's such an 80s movie, though. It's, um, like, yeah. <laughs> we went from... Um, Adam West Batman and then Frank Miller came out with um, The Dark Knight Returns that comic book which sort of brought Batman back to um, his original dark tone and then the movie sort of picked up on that and, and carried the ball and then um, they got campy again obviously with yeah. with George Clooney and Val Kilmer but um the funny thing I've been seeing recently is people arguing that the Val Kilmer movies, which now they're talking about a Joel Schumacher cut existing somewhere, <laughs> that there's like that those movies were truly like fantastic Batman movies, like the neon in them and just the kind of Gotham and all that they portray, like the neon Gotham and stuff like that. Like there's people that are trying to trying to see that movie get its justice, which I find is pretty funny. Um, just the fact I that there's funny that they're trying to bring val kilmer back for the flash oh let's so let's talk about that real quick because i I read some interesting news that i had to share with you a couple days ago and so now it's a good time we talk about on this show right so there's the flash movie that they're planning to make which is going to be loosely adapted from the flashpoint comic book series um and have did you watch the flashpoint animated movie dc animated yes i did yeah it's a pretty great it's a pretty great movie um and a kind of faithful adaptation to the comics and so the comic storyline has flash time traveling back to the past to save his mother from dying um and the consequences of him doing that shake up the entire timeline or, or the multiverse it kind of um changes the future it changes how the justice league is no longer the justice league and and it's basically all flash's fault um so when he gets back to the future Atlantis is now in war with the Amazons and the Justice League is like kind of destroyed and he needs to find Batman and, and get Batman's help um, to kind of reform the Justice League and, and settle things as, as far as multiverses go. Um, but when he gets to the future, he finds out that the Batman that he knew is no longer, it's not there actually, he's not that Batman, it's actually Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's father, who dons the mantle of the batman instead of bruce wayne um so the the kind of thing that happens there is when flash fucks with the multiverse instead of thomas and martha wayne dying in um in the alleyway it's bruce wayne that dies and that sets off martha wayne to get to become psychotic and in this universe she becomes the joker and thomas wayne becomes the batman in this kind of um, fucked up flashpoint multiverse so from a story telling point of view it's an insane story already um and so the movie the way the direction that kind of we're hearing them take it is uh not directly in the amazon atlantean conflict but it will tie in um barry allen time traveling back to the past to save his mother and him searching for not one batman but multiple batmans throughout the multiverse and so what we're hearing is that michael keaton is being brought back to portray his version of the Batman. Ben Affleck is coming back to portray his version of the Batman. Those two are confirmed for sure. And we're also hearing 
that Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, pretty much all the other previous Batmans have been in talks or in kind of in communication, I guess, with Warner Brothers uh, to reprise their role. And the big shocker is uh, Nick Cage might come into the movie to play his never-before-seen version of Superman. Um, the Superman movie that Tim Burton was going to make back in the 80s or the 90s with Nick Cage. So, yeah, that's a little piece of Hollywood history that not many people know about. And, and so this movie seems to be a really interesting kind of multiverse-breaking, Hollywood-breaking, like, movie in general. Like, it takes the entire concept of rebooting movies and sequels and all the things that Warner Brothers has done over the past 25 years and kind of aligns it in one singular storyline in a way. Uh, I guess that's their that's their telling of it. Yeah, and it's a little ludicrous. I don't know. It's insane. How, it's ludicrous as light. It's if this is going to work at all, it's just it's um it's a bold move, I will say. Um I I respect I don't the hell out of it. I respect I the hell out of a move it, like this. But like I don't want it just to be some sort of um what's the word I'm looking for? Like I, I want Flash to have his own movie. I don't want it to be like some sort of celebration mm. of DC films. Like Yeah, you know this seems I mean? to be I, I know exactly yeah, I and I agree with you to a good point of that, that it almost doesn't seem like it's a Flash movie anymore. Because this is supposedly supposed to be not supposedly, this is supposed to be the first live action Flash film. So it's kind of weird that to set up a Flash uh, franchise or a Flash kind of, yeah, franchise, it's less of a Flash movie. You know, I, I guess, I hope they they still kind of anchor it towards his him as a protagonist and his point of view, which I guess it will be. But also part of me doesn't really like this version of the Flash, so I don't even really care if we don't see that much of him in this movie. That The fact that we're getting Michael Keaton to come back and he's supposedly... Um, the Batman Beyond kind of version of the Batman, or, or the the uh, mentor figure from that Bruce Wayne, and and we're, you know the the fact that they're kind of just fully committing and leaning into on, on on their multiverse just excites me, and and the potential of storytelling off that excites me. Yeah, I think they well, realized just, that Mar- if if they didn't do it first, then Marvel was for sure gonna do it with the whole Spider Verse thing. They were already um, kind of into that with the uh, animated Spider Man movie and. You know, it's not it's not a long shot to see this happening with Spider-Man in, in a live action sense. So the fact that DC is coming out at first and hitting the ball first, it's exciting. And it's Batman. Like, you know, it's 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 literally like this is something as kids you wouldn't have even imagined happening. So it's pretty insane. I just I just don't I just hope it's not soulless. You know what I mean? I feel like this is like a soulless way to to get a movie going or to get excitement going, whereas you know, it takes a lot of work to write a good Flash movie. And they've this, been, yeah, they've been writing this movie for years now. Like it's been in development. Why, this is why I think this is like just a someone in the writing room said, "What if we just like bring in everybody from every movie?" And then they scrapped whatever they had left, and now they're scrambling mm-hmm. to make this. All this yeah. makes me want to do is see a Batman Beyond movie with Michael Keaton as old Bruce Wayne. I hope this launches that possibility even further. The fact that they're reintroducing Michael Keaton's Batman into the mainstream uh, kind of discourse again and, and and just basically coming out clean stating, you know, the idea of the reboot is dead. The fact that the movies of the past were scrapped, those universes are over, like, nah, 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 nah. Like, 
you look at comic books, right? There's been a hundred years of comic books almost, and it's not like the storylines have stayed relatively close to being the same from their inception. Like there's been so much growth and development, character development and, and stuff like that, that it's just a matter of time for things to move on or, or, or grow. And I, I think the points you've raised are all very valid uh, worries about like the kind of the behind the scenes of this movie being made. But if they can pull it off, if it's something kind of spectacular, like like the anticipation is building for it, it can be a game changing movie. Uh, in the scheme of franchises and big superhero blockbusters and stuff like that, like it can be a pretty huge fucking movie. Yeah, I'm not denying it can't be big. I'm just, you know, Transformers is big every time it comes out. So it's no just doubt. a matter of of quality. And yeah, if you're if you're giving in and you're and you're sort of taking the the cheap route for crowd reaction and crowd engagement by using the um, established works of other creators and their characters to make your movie better, then that seems a little disheartening to me, is all. But yeah, I get why they would want to do it, and I'd still watch it. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I almost feel like it's going to be something that like your, your, your points are going to be brought up again when we watch the movie, I think which comes out in 2022. They haven't even started shooting yet. But when we finally watch the movie, those things will become clear. Like, is this, are these movies being made from kind of that same point of view of like, let's make money and sell toys? Because they're already starting to sell Michael Keane Batman toys again. And, you know, a big part of that is the merchandising and toys and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's the direction these last trilogy of Star Wars movies, unfortunately, took. So I think you're worry is definitely like except they, except they didn't sell worry. any fucking toys that too man that too it's you just, want a it's... rose action figure <laughs> yeah selling on ebay for free 99 yeah, yeah. you want to hear it you want to hear a pretty funny story i was going to save this story for the the star wars episode but it just you know it eats away at me because of how how sad it is truly so i'm on my street i'm walking my dog my dog's name is solo uh, of course named after the wonderful pilot han solo um, and you know, just a little Shih Tzu, adorable little guy walking him on my sidewalk. And there's this group of little kids that play on my street and they love him. They love seeing the guy or seeing Solo walking around. They just, you know, they go crazy. Uh, so that day they come up to us while we're walking and they want to pet him and just play with him. And yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. No worries. And, um, so one of the kids asked me, Oh, what's his name? What's his name? So I say, his name is Solo. And immediately as I said that, no joke to you, these kids start, they lose their shit. They start doing some weird Fortnite dances that I've never seen, but I know it's probably from Fortnite. And they're like, oh, solo, solo, duos, solo, do you have a battle pass? Like, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what? And and I'm like, oh, these guys, these guys think I named him after the game mode in Fortnite solo. (laughs) You're fucking kidding me. No, I'm You're I'm being me. I'm being so serious too. On the sidewalk, they were like losing their shit. Like, and I, I'm like, I don't even understand what this means right now. They're just like solo duos, like, like something triggered in their brain. Like a Fortnite response went off, and like every Fortnite terminology was coming out at once. And I was having stimulus overload at that point. But I was I was about ready to walk away and just leave it at that. You know, they were losing their shit, and I was like, okay, this is weird for me as a grown man to be standing near these kids but as i'm walking away i I thought to myself no you know what like 
I can't leave this generation thinking thinking that was correct. That was the right thing there. So I, I turned back around. Literally, I, I had started walking. I turned back around. I'm like, no, his name is not like Solo from Fortnite. It's it's named after Han Solo from Star Wars. Like, do you know what Star Wars is? And the kids start looking at each other and they look, they look back at me and like, Han Solo? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, Star Wars? Like, and they're like, yeah, 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 Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, do you know who Han Solo is? And then they're like, still looking at each other and looking back at me like yeah 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 no we, we we know who that is i'm like you don't know who the fuck han solo is bro like what so anyways the point of that story is just to like this is where we are man in the world that in in such a short period of time like star wars is nothing it's been replaced by Fortnite, and it feels like all hope is lost yeah, like i was well, truly sad also, about that kids also think that john wick movies are based off the Fortnite skin so oh there's um there's no hope for the zoomer generation something disheartening about that you know when you hear something like that it it one made me feel my age which i shouldn't feel my age like that like you know i'm i'm not that old but the fact that there's such a disconnect between the kids of today and star wars is it blows my mind like you know that's where you know you fucked up as disney like no jokes there's, there. there's like, that's, some disconnect that happened as soon as kids started to be born in the year 2000 and i'm not sure what caused that but like the 97s 98s 99s are all like relatively similar and then once you hit 2000 there's like this mm. huge gap in like cultural yeah. impact and i'm not sure what happened but it um, might be the internet like just early adoption of the internet even though we're not that far off and this is something I've, I've been aware of that what you just said there since I was like in grade school and elementary school I kept telling everybody like there's something wrong with the kids in in the younger grades like mentally I think you know not to be too mean but like I think there's something going on here because that it's just like I wasn't like that in in at that age and you know parents and teachers are like no 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 like you know you don't you don't know the kids are all kids and like now you really just see it like there is a big cultural gap or or just like you know the kids of today are just in their own world they, they play by their own rules. They have their own laws, have their own interests and likes that are completely separated from the cultural history. Like something happened where they just, they're doing their own thing and it's weird, you know? It is weird. I don't know. It might have, might be, you know, have something to do with riding your bike up and down the street. I don't know if they got lots of that in. No, that's, um, no, that's a good point, man. That's a good point. You know? I don't know. It's there's something there i don't really want to get into it but yeah no that, i don't I want just to i don't to want to offend an, an entire generation oh yeah but. i should be aware that some of our listeners might be from that generation so no offense to our listeners i hope there are you know no dissing Fortnite or anything like that i just wanted to highlight there is a weird gap between cultural interests i think nowadays where it's cool you know like Fortnite, don't like Fortnite. that's fine you know i'm pretty sure we all dabbled in our in our fortnights in the day but yeah, it's just it's uh Star Wars isn't the place where it used to be and and that just makes me sad, that's all. No. Star Wars is it it hurts for me to think about uh, a lot. Yeah. So I just go back to my my little hidey hole full of safe Star Wars cool stuff and your your of, safe place? Yeah, my you safe got a, place. Yeah. I have a safe place. <laughs> yeah. All it right. starts and ends with Duel of Fates. Anyways. <laughs> All right, let's get into the boys. We got a pretty interesting um, episode five discussion here. Or yeah. Epi- like, yeah, I mean, Cheney, what were your thoughts on this episode? Gave a whole new meaning to the term rough sex. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I have nothing else to say about that. That was that was rough sex for sure. Um, Could you imagine being the writer who had to write the dialogue "laser my tits"? Because <laughs> I can't. Yeah, yeah I don't um, know. I I can't I can't imagine um, the director having to direct that scene and and be like, yeah, so you're super powered and having sex, so crank it up by like a hundred, and everything is cranked up by a hundred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the laser my tits moment was a, that was a classic that's golden right there that is golden that's a that's a season season two highlight um what are yeah yeah no actually i just have a question about that what are the implications of that well um it seems as though stormfront has some sort of plan whether that's in relation to vat ceo or not or whether it's her own malicious plan as she stated to Andy, like, you'll fit well, you'll do well in my plan, or whatever she said. Yeah. But, um, no, no, she for sure has a plan, but I mean, is she indestructible? Is she Oh, she's, she's up there like, in, she's she's up there in power with Homelander, is what that... Maybe uh, more like, than Homelander. Maybe I don't know about more, more but like, I, I, like, I, it's a funny scene, laser my tits, but it just, it just goes to show you the extent of her power, where she's up there with homelander in terms of power because she yeah. can fly and she has super strength and she's invulnerability mm-hmm. and instead of lasers she has lightning but like she's she's gonna be a tough cookie to crack for sure i think it's it adds to that air of mystery about her character though because from what we got in the last episode that um she's she's has some longevity uh in terms of her powers like she she doesn't age normally or she there's something going on there right like we see a flashback from the 50s or the 60s where she, she where we see she's a superhero and so there's something going on there they've established that and i think in this final scene again i mean the whole episode just builds to the suspense on what what are her motivation what's her plans it seems like she's very clearly trying to seduce homelander ingenuously ingenuously uh, like she's trying to lure him in for her part of her plan like i don't think i don't think there's like a romance thing there like there's not a no a big no, love this this is connection. a way to manipulate him because yeah completely because he's vulnerable um, he's he's a big vulnerable boy essentially he's vulnerable i think um the actor in an interview said like when they asked like if homelander had a weakness um i think they were like hoping for it's some breast sort milk of, like, crip- yeah true <laughs> some sort of like kryptonite answer but yeah um, the actor stated like his weakness is his ego and that's when he's most vulnerable yeah and that that plays true because right now his ego is taking a huge hit because he is like not the person he was in season one where he was universally loved and now he's has some sort of following against him and that Mm -hmm. sort of drove him even further away his disconnect from regular humanity um where he now even you know views himself as a god even more so yeah um especially with that fucking that fake out scene um, oh god let's talk about that I, I thought i thought that was real for a second well it got me out of my chair well here's the thing right the way as soon as they set that up when he lands that's the yeah. first thing that went through my head was that also what went through your head like this is yeah. a possibility this can happen and and you and start getting worried the second he lands on that stage that's the fucking power of this game yes man. Uh, yes yes entirely like, the way that entire scene builds upon a season and a half of pure knowing this how fucked up this guy is and and truly like fearing him because you're yeah like no no i i am afraid of him i'm afraid of what he's gonna do and you know what if that's the fake out 
what oh. he actually does has to be worse. So yeah, I told you, I told you, I told you. So I know, yeah, and 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 when that one before it was revealed that that's a vacant, I was like, fuck, Cheney, you were right. Like it would, and, <laughs> you know, and and that's what I was seeing. I'm like, damn, in the middle of episode five, they would do something like that. Like that's bold. Like where does it go from here? But then it's revealed to fake out. Um, so your heart just jumps a little. Um, yeah. Anyways, I just want to quickly describe the scene we're talking about for people who might not have seen it yet or or just, you know, just to reiterate how fucked up this is. So there's a protest um, in front of Vought, the Vought headquarter building, which mm-hmm. is filmed in Toronto. And again, we've said this a bunch of times. It's it's just the New York thing does not sell for me in the show because every time I see them in outside, I'm like, fuck, you know, this is Toronto. Like, just call it Toronto. Get over with it. No. Nah. Anyways. Um so he lands on the stage at this protest run by some governor and a bunch of angry uh, protesters who are uh, protesting Homelander and Vought and and their uh, compound V leak. Well, so, no, um, Homelander committed a war crime. Oh no! Yes, you're right. That that video that got leaked. Yeah. So Homeland, there was a video that got, and that was a pretty funny scene. Yeah, that uh, was. He when, when there that goes, Ooh, I'm so scared. And Actually, yo. Ch- Cheney, that's funny. That scene where um, he's talking to her about that—that's the day I got to visit the set. Was that scene? I was, I was, I recognized that because you yeah. showed me set photos, and um, I was like, "Oh, this is the 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 set." The where Dawn of the Seven movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So there was they were filming a behind the scenes of their fake movies. So there was like a fake. It, it's funny to watch because I feel like some of the background extras that were movie were actually the extras of the show like kind of part of where i was so i was like constantly looking in the background if like a dumb faced me was just sitting in the back with my mouth wide open um which if there was they might have green screened it out uh or cgi'd or whatever but it's such an incredible moment like they um so homelander is talking to what's her name marcy um she's the new one in charge yeah and she's sharing to homelander that you know you're you're kind of going viral because you you killed an innocent person while trying to subdue your target or whatever and he brushes it off like oh what like i love the little (laughs) line he's like what these guys don't have waters but they have cell phones now yeah yeah exactly that was awesome so sorry i just took a big beer there big protest um, against homelander for this war crime that went viral and he takes it to heart and he's like Vought asked him to stay stylin and you know his ego and he's like you know what no I can I can work this out because I'm Homelander and he goes and he fails miserably and um, in the process of doing so um, a soldier flips him off because he mentions the military how he fights with the military and a soldier yeah. goes you know you don't speak for us and he flips him off yeah. and that's sort so of like the, he gets booed by the entire crowd and yeah. that that teeters his ego way worse and then we get the we get a moment where his eyes turn red you see the laser beams about to come out and and this is all seamless um seamless action from one scene to an next or one edit to an next and he just lets a laser beam rip across the crowd just decimate like cutting in half the literally like melting just, people together yeah and 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 they don't shy away from showing you that like they they really want to show you the bodies and you know like i said in the last episode this show doesn't shy away it doubles down on its violence and and it's and its gruesomeness and and so you're really standing there thinking this guy lost all control and just let that happen and i'm not sure if they cut to marcy in that section in that in that in that 
seen either but i think they might have and that also sold it for me too like oh that just happened like people are watching that and so like you're having this reaction where in the middle of a in the middle of episode five the hero that this whole time has been on the edge is standing on or laying down on a bed of nails has just felt the prick you know and then they pull the rug from under you and say no this is just what he was thinking this is what he wants to do but mm-hmm. he didn't actually do it he does have yeah. some self-control there still still a pivotal him. scene though because you see yeah. them cut to him in the hallway and he's like i'm a fucking idiot stupid how could i do that and then he yeah. um that that that's the scene that eventually drives him to um get stormfront's help which has been teased for the last two episodes yeah where yeah. she sort of like she understands how to work this new media age and he doesn't yeah. and again the the line she says which i still think is great is that she has soldiers and he has fans yeah. So it's that manip- that line of manipulation runs really strong in Stormfront's character. And that allows her to manipulate him even further. Yeah. Um, and then eventually seduce him to like get him completely on her side. And now she has a big, buff, handsome, Aryan race looking motherfucking bodyguard. You know what I mean? Yeah. So she's she's got she's got Dick Superman for um for a boyfriend now. Well, she has. Well, she's a she's a literal Nazi. Then she has the perfect boyfriend, like a Aryan race Superman. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. I think that, and it sets up the rest of the season in a, a more terrifying way now. Weirdly enough, it's like what are there three more episodes left now? So yeah, we we must be in this next episode winding down into into some sort of a conclusion. You yeah. know, like now we can expect the next episodes to be really important to to how everything wraps up and and Stormfront's history her her whole story will will kind of unroll now um, yeah so i'm excited to see that i will say though i was completely wrong about black noir where he was just acting out of vaught's commands not necessarily yeah. doing homelander's dirty work so yeah um, same here I, I guess we were both wrong about that because i was thinking he had his own parallel story his own motivations but no he's just an agent essentially i do want to say now. that that scene though with black noir was incredible it had it, it totally switched the um the genre to like a horror film you know what i mean which scene was that that you're talking about when uh black noir was infiltrating the house while they were locked in the uh heroin closet <laughs> oh yeah yeah that yeah that was really well directed um it it it, it kind of disappointed me though because then it didn't lead really into a big kind of it didn't lead into the confrontation that I wanted necessarily. Yeah, me neither. It was. Um, I think Black Noir fans are still going to be quite disappointed unless they have him doing something else. But um, see, because they're the- they're showing him a lot more now than at any other point in the show. So I feel like it it has to be building somewhere. Like I'm going to be really disappointed if at the end of this season we don't get something out of this character. Because I, I it definitely feels like they're doing something with him for some reason, not just to well, say like well, oh, yeah. we have Black Noir, you know. But like it he, seems he like he plays. Um, you know, I don't mind the slow burn because he plays a pivotal role in the comics, as 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 we've talked yeah. about. Um, I yeah. don't really know what that role is, but I know he's far more important in the comics. In the comics, and he's, and and he's sort of a fan favorite in that way. So yeah, I don't mind the the slow burn to like if this is a season three thing that happens, then it's a season three thing that happens. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was completely wrong about that, but that was um, really good character development for Butcher. Um, we sort of realize. You know how I said that Huey's sort of that um, person that his link back to humanity that he needs to that he needs for himself. Yeah, that's sort of mm-hmm. solidified when um, his uh, butcher's aunt sort of says he looks uh, like and acts like Lenny 
who is Butcher's um, younger brother, and she tells a story about Butcher beating up a bully that was bullying Lenny, and he wouldn't stop, and Lenny had to like step in and be like, okay, cool it. And only Lenny was able to do that, and sort of he, now Huey facilitates that role where he... Yep. Um, and even Butcher admits, like, you're my canary, which is a reference to Canary in the Coal Mine, which is a where miners would take a canary down um, into the coal mines, and if there was a gas leak, the canary would die first, and they would get out. So, um, it's a weird it, reference to tell a kid. It's well, yeah, it's it's a metaphor. Um, or yeah, but that's basically like, like you're you're the you're my vest. You're the body in front of me taking the shots almost. No, it's like no? if if the if the canary dies then you know you're in trouble because oh, okay. then that I means thought it was more like yeah yeah no no if i get it right but if you're able to you know you so you have to watch the canary you have to watch it you have to yeah. care for it you have to you have to let it live and if something bad happens to it that means you know you've something gone bad too will happen far. to you yeah, yeah exactly so that's what i think the, it was definitely metaphor is yeah i think it was also cool to see his aunt and just see like get more deeper into butcher and his like his character and stuff like that that was cool um but overall this episode i wasn't feeling it as much as the previous episode four or yeah yeah, four because we kind of established like episode four was a pseudo mid-season finale and Mm -hmm. it had that that oomph you know what i mean um completely and it's okay to like bring it back down before we get to episodes six seven and eight i expect episode seven to be crazy i expect episode eight yeah to be crazy. i don't really necessarily expect episode five to be crazy I, th- I think the steps they took in episode five were necessary because you needed that those character moments more it felt like a so. setup episode it felt like a kind of um again every episode has felt like a plot turning like it, it's the plot's never staying still or, or, or slowing down it's always progressing forward which is great um but this episode felt like it really wanted to take its time and and slow the pace down a little bit with these characters, let you breathe with them, and develop them further. And so, like, the, in the next episode that we get should be... It should take it somewhere unexpected, once again. It should progress the story in a direction that that really just, you know... Like, I think this show is known for doing that, which is taking you in a direction you weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think I think in episode six, we're going to get a good layout. Not, not necessarily the whole plan, but... Of, of mm-hmm. Stormfront, I think we'll get a good layout, a good idea yeah. of, of what she what she plans to do. Yeah, um, it nice to see Butcher get back into action, like him sort of mobilize the boys. Um, in episode six, that seems to be where that's going. Yeah, um, yeah. Kimiko and Frenchie's relationship furthers, and it's um, that that scene was great. The church scene, um, mm. great acting. Um, Frenchie's ex sort of working against him and, and sort of manipulating mm-hmm. Kimiko in, in a time where she doesn't she doesn't need this right now like he said like go ahead like become the monster they think you are and you know he knows that she's not and um oh by the way it's a cool reference you know with that that scene where she kills the three Russian gangsters yeah that was actually like a shot for shot recreation of her introduction in the comics oh really that's cool yeah so it's it's a it's a nice little reference where yeah like everything everything like even the face peel was uh was shown in the comics so um that was her introduction in the comics and um it's nice to see that they're still hearkening back to the reference material Mm -hmm. um what else is oh yeah a train 
A train. Okay, here's what I think is happening. Here's what I think is happening. The seven is getting divided. Um, we're gonna see A train, Mave, and the Deep sort of try to take on and take down Homelander, Stormfront, and Black Noir, with Annie caught in the middle of it. You know what I mean? Mm. So you think it'll be a little civil war within the seven? But yeah, the because Mave went to recruit the Deep. Um, yeah, yeah. To be like, like I need your help, and obviously her goal now is to take down Homelander to save her girlfriend, which yeah. is, you know, yeah. Great. Maeve I, is I, becoming I, more of an interesting character because instead of a passive character, she's starting to be more active in in yeah. her in her plotting and and what she wants to do. She's not just and, taking shit anymore. And I like, I'm I'm so glad they're starting to weave the deep back in because I, I they had mm-hmm. to bring it back in, and um, maybe the Church of the Collective stuff didn't go where i thought it was going i will yeah i still wonder where that's going that's a really weird thread that um, still confusing me yeah we'll see how it plays out but um you know still hoping on the on on the deep um heroic sacrifice coming season three maybe yeah please uh i'm calling it now um but yeah that's what i think is going on where you know a train feels oh (laughs) that fucking moment in the episode where where he's given his his farewell speech for the mm-hmm. movie um and the and the homeliner he's talking to ends up being a stunt double yeah i love that <laughs> so perfect um but yeah i think it's because a train feels divided and he feels like he's being outcast by homelander he's against homelander mave's against homelander mave can manipulate the deep to go against homelander because he's a dummy um and he's an asshole as she stated um and uh, Homelander has Stormfront and Black Noir on his side, so we'll see. Yeah, that the way you just said that made me excited. If they go a Civil War route within the Seven, that should be pretty cool. Kind of as a finale episode or something like that. Yeah, that would yeah, definitely be sick. For sure. Um, and I guess this is where you're going to see more of the, the boys teaming up with soups and um, mm-hmm. Butcher eventually learning, you know, you know, not all soups are bad. I think that's his arc that's definitely part of his arc i mean um it's going in that direction which is accepting people into his life overall you know um he has this problem with like it was said earlier on in the season that um you know he has this kind of discrimination against soups and you know maybe it is warranted maybe he has a war like a reasonable fear against him or or worry reason to be worried um but part of his arc is i think kind of the way they're setting up is if he wants to be back with his girlfriend uh, or sorry his wife that he's got to accept the soups because uh, her kid is a soup essentially and and if they don't want a homelander situation a homelander 2 or homelander junior situation to turn out then that kid needs a father figure he needs to be raised well and so it's like the question becomes is butcher gonna stand is he gonna is he gonna stand up to that you know I think that's yeah. where this. I think that's where his arc overall is going to head. Um, yeah, a good episode, good. And, and it just gets me more excited for this. The rest of the season. Yes, um, Stormfront needs to shave. That's a lot of bush. what the f- her haircut is fucked up. Oh yeah, they showed the bush, bro. Yeah. They're talking about her haircut, but no, they showed bush. That was impressive. I know it was ballsy. It was extremely ballsy. It was. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if that was a prosthetic or something. Like, what was? Like, how did they do that? How did they get away with that? And the force she she used when she, you know, grabbed his head, and it was just yeah. It was, <laughs> it, it, it was 
more than softcore porn at that point. Yeah. It whatever. It's it's fucked. Homelander's fucked. Um at least yeah. his attention is away from from himself. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not no, him from, that's giving um, head. from Becca. <laughs> From Becca, is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, isn't that Butcher's wife? Yeah, Becca. Yeah, she she wasn't in this episode, I don't think, like, at all. No, and that's okay. I feel like that's that's something that can be put on the Well, I don't care way. I don't care much about her. I care more about the kid. Um sounds weird, but I mean his story, like his I wanna see where like I think that's almost like a bomb, like sitting there. Like this could all be over the kid. Like if if the boys lose, if Homelander gets his son and gets kind of the chance to father his son the way he wants to father him, which we've seen he's not a great dad, um, then that's a pretty fucked up situation. That's a really, that can lead to some bad shit. So I I hope they kind of, they whether it's in this season or the next season, I think they put in a, a really good plot element there, which is um, little Homelander Jr., and and whether Billy is gonna fight for the kid and try and save the kid or uh, you know, like that's a pretty kind of ticking time bomb in, in a sense there. Yeah, exactly. Um I think that about covers this episode. Um, yeah. Yeah, light episode but enjoyable, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah. Still my favorite show right now. Yeah. Oh actually, you know what? I, I finished um I finished season one of Doom Patrol this week or last week how's that oh i loved it i really really enjoyed this show um i want to pass this off to you though i know it's a difficult show to watch or find it's on crave um so it's a bit hard to watch but if you don't have it i mean uh but as far as a show that is kind of all character driven and about character development and i know you're a guy that appreciates stories like that that are really focused on kind of character development this show is like really fantastic at at showing um an ensemble ensemble of characters that like i said before when i talked about doom Metroid, all these characters are coming from a traumatic background kind of a really tr- some of them have really traumatic pasts and they're all finding a way to assemble and become bigger than just broken people essentially to become heroes so it's it's less of a superhero show in that way it's more a show about broken people trying to fix themselves and it's funny and it's traumatic or it's tragic it's funny it's a lot of emotions in the show and it's it's an extremely well-written show for that reason like it's it's not comic booky in that way like at times it definitely is comic booky it leans on the genre um which is fantastic but it's a weird show like i remember when i talked about it, i said it had um guardians of the galaxy vibes and deadpool vibes and a bit of even watchmen vibes like for real um, so it, it, it's a conglomeration of all these different themes and, and types of styles of storytelling. And it somehow worked. Like for me, uh, it, it worked. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, you know, who's in the show, actually, funny enough, you know, Bre- remember Brendan Fraser? Yeah. Yeah. From like the old, the mummy, the mummy. movies from like, yeah. yeah, like one of the biggest actors of the 2000s, essentially. So he plays the, the robot man in the show and it's his greatest role to date. You're and kidding. no, I'm not kidding. I'm being dead serious. This the show is worth watching for Brendan Fraser. Like no joke. I don't know if this is ever sentence has ever been said before about movies or TV shows, but Brendan Fraser kills it, bro. Like it's pretty much an all voice role because he's in um in a practical suit, like a robot Tin Man suit. Uh, it's all voice, but 
the way he's like he's he's kind of this um he's like he's his character is a nascar driver who went through a, a traumatic accident lost his wife and his his kid has become um estranged from him i think that's the word uh but he he lost his family and for years he was kind of rehabilitating and he comes out of it and he still keeps he has this like sense of humor to him that's like well i don't give a fuck like i need to keep going and like i need to find my daughter and like you know like he has a really funny attitude about him um which is funny because like he all these characters have trauma but it's not it's not stopping them kind of from from being funny characters or, or real characters with kind of emotions and stuff like that um and another kind of interesting character in the show is cyborg and i know i talked about him before too but I, a point that i wanted to bring up in this was so they show cyborg's backstory how he becomes cyborg which is not something like other than the Zack Snyder uh, kind of teaser in Batman v Superman where they show the cyborg origin. It's not something I had really known or seen in the comic book lore. Like in Teen Titans, it's definitely brushed over. Like if you don't know, cyborg is probably one of the most tragic characters, mainstream characters in the DC universe, like up there with Batman for sure, in my opinion. And in this show, it really gets into like his mentality of like he feels responsible for not only his accident but a death in his family that was a result of the accident and and you see the accident you see how he transforms into cyborg and it's all really like gruesome and painful and visceral and so they're leaning in on these things of like tragedy and like just the the things that like break you and then transform you into something different you know Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I'm not going to go too much in on it without kind of like, I would love to do a spoiler talk later on, but yeah, I definitely want to show this show to more people or like you, especially, I think you would really get into this um, just on the character side of things. Okay. Just a quick question and we'll move on to the sci-fi Smackdown. Um, yeah. Does he say booyah? He says booyah. Okay. Then I'm sold. Yeah. He, and it's funny. He, um, there's a funny line where, uh, he so he has the grid in his head he has the ai he talks to and stuff so he asks the ai like do i say booyah a lot and then the ai goes so i have counted 36 booyahs since i have been with you <laughs> it's pretty much a catchphrase at this point so it's pretty funny it's it, it's self-aware of that he's not like the booyah all the time cyborg from teen titans like that was just the cyborgs for shits and giggles kind of like still love that character that variation of him but this cyborg is more of a cyborg that's trying to be a leader he's trying to be like batman in, in the sense of like leading a team but he's not that he's not that yet he's still a kid who is kind of trying to fill bigger shoes than what he can fill and he's in the process trying to trying to figure out his own self-control over himself because he's a cyborg he has an ai in his head that he's constantly conflicted with and that is at times trying to control him then he has a father who's also trying to control him so you know what I mean? Like the show is so layered on so many levels. Like mm-hmm. could talk about it for hours, but we'll move on to our our main topic because that's what we're here to talk about. If they do um, something with Grid, because I know about Grid and how it's like, yeah, he he does get a physical form in the comics, and he's like, mm-hmm. I'm you perfected because I'm not hindered by your 